Welcome into the CHGO White Sox podcast presented by CH, presented by points bet use code with promo code CHGO uh, when you sign up to get two risk free bets up to two thousand dollars not having that uh, intro music really threw me off there my bad welcome into the <laughs> CHGO White Sox podcast the seven game losing streak is also throwing me off for our Chicago White Sox welcome into an off day show for the CHGO White Sox podcast we will be back tomorrow with a pregame for the Sox and Royals series but today we'll be talking about what is wrong with the Chicago White Sox I'm Sean Anderson you can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. Vinny Duber is still on assignment, so he will join us later in the week. We do have Herb Lawrence. Hello. The CHGO White Sox community leader who is currently choking on his words like I am. You can follow him on Twitter at Ecknerwall23. And we do have a guest joining us from the CHGO Bears podcast. He is a Bears writer and podcaster for CHGO Sports. He's also the host of the Hogue and Johns podcast, and he is the father of Richard Hogue, a huge CHGO White Sox fan. He's not the father. I would be the son of the son. My bad. That's that's. That's on this seven-game losing streak is really me. messing you guys oh, up. It's it's bad. I mean, Herb's dying over here. Uh, he is our very own Adam yeah. Hogg. Hello, <laughs> Adam. Right. How are you? That's right. What's up, guys? I uh, I'm fired up. Is what I am. And like most Sox fans, I think I am just like yesterday. Well, really, the whole week was just the worst case scenario. But to have it end that way, too, on top of it, with a walk-off home run. Awful managing. I don't even call it awful managing. Just no managing. It, it was just terrible. I don't know how it... Well, you start to reach out... As baseball fans, we all experience this, even with good teams. But when you get to Saturday and you're like, it's been a week since we won a game. Yep. And then they lose again. And then they lose again. And it's just like, this is ridiculous. And before we get started with that whole thing and get mad... People probably want to know. I'm people you're the who, Bears guy. Yeah, people know you yeah. as the Bears guy, but you're a White Sox fan. How did you get started? He t- referenced your dad there, but tell us your White Sox origins. Uh, well, I was born. Congrats. That was and, it. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. No, um, so my mom is a Southsider, was a Southsider. She grew up uh, like half Southside Chicago and then in Oak Lawn. Uh, really? Too. Yeah. Where, what area? Um... I'm from like, St. Linus. I don't know. She went St. Linus. Oh, look at that. Wow. So there you go. Yeah. She, she she went St. Linus and Queen of Peace. Okay. Rest in peace, Queen of Peace. Sky Point. Um, and so that was that side. But my dad was actually, like, grew up in farmland out west in Princeton, Illinois. And when he, like, first started listening to games on the radio, Harry Carey was calling White Sox games. And so that was, like, why he was a Sox fan instead of a Cubs fan. And then so I actually grew up in Lincoln Park on the north side. That's where I was born and raised, but I grew up a Sox fan. I was like the only one in my class. Congrats. Yeah. And probably made so, you stronger for it, no? Prob- probably. I mean, there were some, some tough times. So how tough know? was yesterday? Because I saw you tweeting it out and tweeting through it, allowing Hendricks to stay in the game in the second inning when he clearly tweaked something and to pitch to Buxton with first base open. Uh, there was a manager in the dugout, right? Didn't feel that way. No. It, so it was like building Right? Like, first of all, you're already annoyed that they gave up the lead. They had a lead. Giolito pitched well. Um, also, it's frustrating, too. Like, it's not all – there's things that are – this goes – here's why it's all be, all the above. Like, it's on players, too. They're not hitting. You have pitchers like Bummer and Hendricks who aren't getting the job done mm-hmm. right now. Right? Like mm-hmm. – Exactly. But Bummer – I, at that point, I was listening in the car – when Bummer gave up the home run. Mm. But it's just like, can't they just win a game? Like, just start <laughs> to finish for one freaking day? 
Well, I got. And they have this bullpen, and the three guys that you're supposed to trust the most, Bummer, Graveman, and Hendricks, have not had it recently. Yeah. I mean, something that you should be able to protect with those three guys is a two-run lead. Right. And But also, at the same time, I was like, can't you just win one day seven to nothing so, like, it's not an issue? So that it's it's all of that stuff. But then to get to the point where Hendricks pitching, and I thought it was interesting they even put him out there for the second inning, yes. but he hadn't worked a lot during the week. So, mm-hmm. I, I, okay, fine. He hasn't worked much this week. Hasn't really had a lot of opportunities. But then he tweaks. It, what, what Did they say what it was? It looked like his back, back maybe. Yeah. Okay. Back tightness. Um, And also what was annoying, too, is like it was partly on just throwing the ball back to the pitcher. Mm-hmm. You can't even throw the ball back to the pitcher correctly. <laughs> what is going on right now? That is the thing that we saw. Sean immediately said he's hurt. Somebody go and check on him. And you see they show Ethan Katz and the trainer like at the top step. And then they immediately go back into the dugout. So they didn't really check on him. Like he like brushed him off. I'm good type of thing. And we said, no, he's hurt. And he can't locate his curveball. He has no secondary pitch. His fastball is the only thing he has. And so... If you see that, and then you see the postgame comments from Tony LaRusso, and you're like, so you know he's hurt. You know he only has his fastball, and you're trying to strike out Byron Buxton <laughs> instead of facing contact hitter Luis in a rise. Yeah. A ri- like, when I heard that, I was like, <laughs> like I was telling Sean yesterday, I was like, if he would have came in and said, hey, you know what, I don't like the bases loaded because, you know, you hit a bat, batter, you throw a wild pitch, there's an instant run. It puts more pressure on the pitcher. I would have said, I don't agree with it, but I understand. But his explanation after the game was crap. I might agree with it if you're pitching against, like, Larry Garcia or something. Yeah. Right. Like, or, like, Larissa Rice, uh, Yeah. Who's very similar. <laughs> like, you a know? very similar player, just a little bit better. But, like, even before we get to the Buxton thing, like, this is where I'm talking. Like, it was already building for me where I'm angry. Because I saw what you guys saw. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, he's not right. He's clearly hurt. I'm annoyed that it's because the catcher couldn't throw the ball back to the pitcher properly. It's like Little League stuff, which we saw on Friday night, too, where they're throwing the ball all the way around the infield, which was ridiculous. So, look, I want players who don't want to come out of the game, okay? I would prefer that over a player who's like, oh, I'm feeling a little twinge and I want to come out. Like, I want players that want to stay in. It is your job as a manager, coach, whatever sport it is, mm-hmm. and trainers to say, no, I'm glad you want to stay in. We're going to do the smart thing and take you out. It is freaking April right now. <laughs> we don't need our closer hurt. Right. It's already a second inning. He's clearly not right. I don't care what Liam Hendricks has to say. Take him out of the game. Then you leave him in the game, and first base is open. The guy who's up is Byron freaking Buxton, who's amazing right now, and everybody sees that. And when he's right, he is right. And then you let him pitch. To your point, you say he's only got his fastball. You're going to let that fastball come over to play. I'm glad he hit the ball 500 feet. Mm-hmm. It actually made it better. Yeah. I was happy he crushed it. That was awesome. You want? I, mean, I watched maybe it 10 <laughs> times at least just to feel the play. I'm like, he murdered that ball. That's a great home run. Well, and I mean, if you're a Twins fan, you got to love it. Thinking back to Tony's response, like maybe that's what was easier for him to accept was Byron Buxton hitting one into the third deck than Luis Arise putting one in play in his you know, league-leading worst defense and makes, a, the, makes an error, and they, they lose that way. And this is the thing, too. 
Like, if you walk Byron Buxton, you still have the lead. And yeah. if Luis Arise does what Luis Arise does, and you say, I can't double him up, you still have a tie game if you just get a force out there, if you don't throw it home. So you're still good. With Byron Buxton, he hits anything. It's game over. It's Byron and Buxton. I don't understand. Do they not have uh, scouting reports? It's like they Tanny used to say back in the day, the scouting report for Jason Kubel is just a blank sheet. Same thing as Byron Buxton, apparently. You don't know who this guy is? Yes, he's been in- oft injured. But GD, look into what who he is. So can I tell you two, two, two things? Uh, one of these points was made by uh, the Sox Machine podcast and uh, Jim Margulis. He mentioned the thing that we were talking about, the him turning on 102 yes, uh, earlier on in the season. Yeah. That 102 was off Munoz from uh, oh, the Mariners. The, Remember him? The greatest throwing, pitcher ever? Throwing 102 <laughs> and like the greatest slider of all time. And Byron Buxton turned Turn on that it. that shit around quickly. Like it was nothing. Um, and here's the thing too. Here's the scouting report right now on Byron Buxton. I don't know if you guys know this. I don't know, you know if the people out there know this. Since 2021, there are only three players that have 250 plate appearances and a slugging percentage over 600%. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Fernando Tatis, and Byron Buxton, who leads that group at 688. Tatis is at 611. Guerrero is at 605. Wow. Worlds above everybody else since 2021. It makes no sense. Well, so. TLR would have pitched to those guys too, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what, what are we doing here? What are your, I mean, how, what was your thoughts when he was hired, and what are your thoughts now? About oh, I hated it when Tony. he was hired. I hate it. I actually think about this. Believe it or not, I think about this when things are going well. Like when they got off to a pretty decent start, I was like saying, "There's already something like special about this team." But there's always a but. There's something about the manager right now that I, it's just got a sour taste to it, and I I, I hate. It's not even really Tony Lewis's fault, like. I wouldn't turn down the job either. Like yeah. it's 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 not. I hate kind of putting it on him. Now the decisions I will, but I hate that. And maybe I'll feel differently if they actually go all the way to the World Series. But the way I have felt since they hired him was that even if they go all the way and win it, I will still appreciate the old five White Sox more because there was something about Ozzy that you just loved as a fan, like. You almost even can't explain it, but he was just like the right manager for the team. It felt that way. This feels like the wrong manager for this team, and it always has felt that way. Mm-hmm. And I said that in the moment. Like, I remember doing White Sox Talk podcast, I think the day he was hired or the day of the the, the, the press conference or whatever, and I was like, here's the thing. He actually is an upgrade. Like, they're still probably getting a better manager over Ricky Renteria, and I understood why they went the route they did. But that didn't mean he was the right manager for this team. And, you know, I think it's great that Tim Anderson loves him now and apparently he's made connections with players. But for the style and the amount of fun that this team was starting to be known for, I just didn't like the fit. And I thought it undercut Rick Hahn. I still feel that way. Regardless of what Rick's willing to say or not say, that's how I feel about it. And as somebody who sat, as we all did, sat through all those awful games mm. during the rebuild, and the amount of post-game shows I did on the radio when they would <laughs> lose ten to nothing with Odrisamir Despagne on the hill, it's an insult to everybody who sat through that. Is mm. what it is. And so when we have to witness things like that, what happened yesterday. It's really, really hard to accept, even if they had been on a six-game winning streak before that happened. 
Is this concern or frustration, though? Like, are you concerned about this team possibly performing in 2022, or is it just frustration that, you know, a seven-game losing streak could have been snapped if better decisions it's were made? It's frustration right now. Like, I, but I think it's something that's concerning from a manager standpoint, if that's what you're asking me. Like, some of those decisions that were made in the playoffs last year, like, I, I felt that at the time, I'm like, Ricky Renteria could have done this. Like, what are we, you know, some of the pitching decisions that were made, and when that was supposed to be his strength. Are you talking about, like, Lance Lynn pitching the first game or Carlos Rodon yeah, not pitching early in game? the series? Didn't they pull somebody early? Uh, Giolito, I think. Giolito game is what I'm thinking yeah. of, I think. Like, there was just some, some little stuff like that, which was, like, this is what they were selling that was going to be different by bringing in the guy that's known for his bullpen decisions. Yep. With the Cardinals, and rightfully so, gets all that credit. That was a long-ass time ago. That was a long time ago. So, that's where... But in terms of yesterday, like, it's frustration right now. I still think this is a good team. I think there's a very good chance you guys will be doing shows all season with good wins. And they're going to be in first place. That's not really what this is all about. I do have bigger concerns about the defense, which I have for, quite frankly, years now. Yes. I don't like that they haven't done enough to upgrade that. I don't like – not to keep going, I'm sorry. But no, you're good. Do Take your time, man. I don't want to keep you too long. One of the things that I just don't want to hear anyone complain about within the organization is the amount of injuries. Right. Okay? You do not tell me that you've had bad injury luck. We all know you've had bad injury luck. But the problem is every single day that passed during the lockout – you should have known that the chances of injuries, whether it's these hamstring pulls that have popped up or back tightness or whatever it is, were going to increase because you weren't going to have a full spring training. And so you should have supplemented the roster to give yourself more depth. That's what's frustrating. So I don't want to hear about how the injuries are the reason why you're struggling. You should have a deeper team. You're Boom. absolutely right. Exactly. Didn't I, miss. I said, that, I said that yesterday. It was 100% Like because people are already – that's why I call him Teflon Han. It's not because of him. It's because of how they treat him, the media and fans and, and et cetera. Oh, he had too many injuries. I feel bad for uh, him. He had his, uh, his power usurped. Do something about it. Mm-hmm. Do yeah. something. Well, and the only thing they did was bring in A.J. Pollock, who is known for being injured, which is fine. And he got I like his like the first weekend. I like his exactly. game. I, <laughs> I like his progression as a player. Like I do like the makeup of AJ Pollock. But the biggest thing is that he gets injured. The biggest reason why we didn't keep Carlos Rodon on this team was because he kept getting injured. But looking at the way he's performing, I I'd take a risk on that guy. They didn't take a risk on that guy. It's frustrating. And two, like here we are in 2022, April 25th. And we are basically in the same spot after Luis Robert gets injured last year, where there is no Luis Robert. There is no Aloy uh, Jimenez. There is no AJ Pollock. And we have Andrew Vaughn out there to play left field. That led to Andrew Vaughn getting hurt, one of your best hitters, and you didn't have him at 100% for the postseason. I mean, a lot of concerns from last year are just re-showing. This might actually make me look bad. I don't know. But that center fielder that that caught that ball. Hazley? I didn't know who that was. That's fine. Yeah. And we should not be in that <laughs> position in the in the competitive window where like there's a guy that I've never heard of out there. Like what? Yeah. That's kind of why I don't like Lurie Garcia. It's not because of the player. It's because of their affinity for him and I see Lurie as a a mark of the rebuild. He played a lot during the rebuild. So it's like, "Oh god, that guy's still here. They're going to continue to play him a lot." And like I said before, 
has had seven games in the playoffs the last two years. He started six of them. Lurie F. and Garcia. That's right. why I don't like Lurie Garcia coming back to the White Sox because it's like a crutch for them, like a non-good player who's a crutch for them. Well, and we brought up this yesterday. Since 2021, they've only played 10 games with their big six, uh, Abreu, Moncada, Anderson, uh, Grandal, Jimenez, and Robert, right? So we going back to, we're going back to the injuries thing, but like – when do you separate yourself from those players? Like, yes, they are cost-controlled. Yes, they are effective. But you can't even separate yourself from Leary Garcia, who might not have gotten $16 million from a, a different team. So uh, those are the frustrations of, of being a White Sox fan. Uh, Adam, thank you for joining us. Any final thoughts on, on your team? No, just thanks for letting me vent. Again, I I, I still, like, they're still going to be good. They're, yes. too, they're too good not to be. But it's just, it's that stuff that, as fans, we are continually see with our own eyes and I just why don't you do anything about it the amount of guys in the playoffs last year that I was like oh I wanted them to sign him I wanted them to sign him even like an Eddie Rosario right right was yeah, Eddie Rosario Eddie 18 Rosario million. Braves um was on the Braves uh Brantley Michael Brantley I've been like I swear right. I've wanted oh. him to sign him like every day for the last five years um those two guys left-handers, by the way. And, and the one one struggle the White Sox have had is hitting uh, right-handed pitching. And, so and it makes sense. Every single time Michael Brantley comes up, you know you're going to get a quality at bat. Mm-hmm. And usually he's going to hit it to the left right, center field. And he's going to kill us, double. too. That makes him, that's what makes it worse. Yeah. Right. And, like, and available for rel- relatively inexpensive price. Yeah, Brantley, he, yeah. Oh, yeah. You could have had him. You could have had right field settled. I know he's a career left fielder. But, yeah, I – I mean, I think White Sox fans see the problems with the team and know what could solve those things, but the f- GM and the owner don't see those things. They because they just load up on bullpen arms. The same stuff just happens over and over again. Like the second Javi <laughs> Baez ended up in the in the central, I'm like, oh, he's gonna hit a walk off home run like the first time we play him. Right. And then it happened. Well, and and then Minnesota too. Like you oh. go up against Minnesota, and they don't have their hundred million dollar shortstop. You're still losing on a walk off because their other superstar is, is hitting them. And that was something Herb brought up too. Is like you're letting the good guys beat you, not the Luis Arise or you know Fernando Reyes. Let those bums beat you. Right. Yeah. If, so. if Luis Arise is a double there, I think we all feel bad, but we're not here. We're not pissed no. today. And, and it was like definitely not game as, lost. as pissed as we are. Uh, Adam, thank you for joining us. Thanks, guys. He is Adam Hogue. You can join Adam Adam Hogue. I want to say, so. Let's say Hogue. Just do it. Les Grob scene ruined <laughs> me, your last name for me. <laughs> Every time I go to say Hogue, I want to say Hogue. And, did he uh, ruin it or did he make it better? What do you he think? Ruined. He ruined it. He ruined it. Yeah, he ruined it. Adam our, Hogue, you can follow him on Twitter. Adam Hogue. Our own Adam Hogue. You can follow him on Twitter at A-D-A-M-H-O-G-E. He is the Bears writer and podcaster for CHGO Bears. Appreciate the time, Adam, and hopefully right. the Sox get off this tonight. Uh, they can't lose today. No, they can't, they lose, can't today, lose today, which finally. is good. And you can bet on that on the PointsBet app. Feel free to download the PointsBet app. That's the best way to support the CHGO uh, venture that we have going on is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. If you do that right now, you get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. That's not it. If you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. You saw Adam's sick bear shirt. You could choose that one. You see my CHGO pocket one. You could choose that one. That's $2,000 in free bets. I don't have one on now. A free CHGO membership and a free T-shirt from the CHGO locker, but you have one. You have the cool Sky one, and the Sky podcast will be on at 530 today. Yeah, the Sky are playing right now, I believe. Are they? Yeah. Go Sky. Yeah, versus Dallas Wings. 
And you get all that for making more than a $50 first-time deposit at PointsBet. I wonder if you could bet on the sky. We should look at that. You can, if probably. You have any, well, you have any questions, you can email PointsBet at allchgo.com. We will help you out. Might Points be a preseason game. Is your home for, maybe. PointsBet is your home for live in-play betting, and it just got even better. Introducing the PointsBet's newest feature, the live NBA same-game parlay. For the first time ever, you can build the perfect live NBA same-game parlay only with PointsBet. Combine your favorite bets anytime during the game, and if you want more, you can also boost your live same-game parlay so you're getting more odds. You can watch live, parlay live, and boost live with PointsBet. An online sign-up is available in Illinois. You can download the PointsBet app right now and register your account from start to finish, all from your phone. So what are you, the listener, waiting for? Once know. the game starts, don't just bet and live your bet life with PointsBet. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. And our next partner has a product that I use literally every day. I started taking AG1 about a month ago, about a month and three weeks ago at this point. We've been doing the CHGO stuff for a long time. Since I started my full-time job, I wanted to wake up with the same routine and start my day putting good into my body and I get that goodness through athletic greens it's super healthy but it doesn't taste super healthy it kind of has a mild tropical taste that I look forward to each morning you might be wondering what this stuff is with one delicious scoop of AG1s you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins minerals whole food source superfoods probiotics and adaptogens to help you start your day right this special blends of ingredients support your gut health your nervous system your immune system your energy recovery focus and aging. They have over 7,000 five-star reviews. Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews, and it's lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. Just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. About eight ounces, maybe 12 ounces. I know Herb likes 10 ounces. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you one free year of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash C-H-G-O socks. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash, and I'm going to spell it out for you, C-H-G-O S-O-X, to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And by the way, the Sky was a preseason game today versus the Dallas Wings. They lost 92-77, so it doesn't matter. But I'm going to opening day. Oh, look at you. When's that? May 6th, Friday, May 6th. Very fun. And uh, versus Janice... The- Versus the Los Angeles Sparks. Oh, I've heard of them. Uh, yeah. Janice and Sabria will have you covered on the CHGO Sky Podcast. Adam's uh, I uh, I don't know if it's 530. Usually today. it is. It usually it is. It's usually 530. Yeah. Hey, guys, usually it's 530 on the CHGO Sky Podcast. Monday. Just checked. It's going to be 530 today. All right. Usually at 530, we're going to keep it at 530. So uh, let's talk about uh, Adam real quick because Adam's a lightning bolt. That was oh, fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I that remember, great. like, we were just walking around uh, probably, like, a couple weeks ago, and he was like, hey, you know, you guys ever need me, or can I come on your, you know, yeah, he was on your socks <laughs> every t- once in a while to vent, and, you know, today was a great day because Vinny's out, and it was a terrible game yesterday, Adam had some time after a CHGO Bears podcast, so we stuck around, and he gave us those good 10, 15 minutes. It was nice. Yeah, nice to hear from I, him. I wish we can get him back when it's a sunny time. We're winning seven in a row, and then Hoger's all happy because, like we just said, he's a lifelong White Sox fan, had to go through the battles in Lincoln Park, all those Lincoln Park <laughs> jerks who love the Cubs talking shit to him all day long. And we know baseball is a long season, so there will be some point where Adam Hogue will be happy on this podcast about the Chicago White Sox. We hope. 
Anyways, let's talk about those Chicago White Sox. We mentioned a lot of things wrong with the White Sox in that segment. Aloy Jimenez's injury. He'll be out for six to eight weeks. We'll talk about how the Sox will replace Aloy. We'll also talk about what's wrong with the Sox outside of injuries. Uh, we'll talk about their bullpen that's been struggling. And we'll talk about the White Sox versus right-handed pitching and how they struggle there. And then we'll also preview a little bit of the Royals game, but we also want your questions. So if you have any questions uh, in the YouTube chat right now, I know we have a lot of people watching right now live. So if you have any questions, feel free to throw them in the side chat. Our producer, Stephen, will flag those and make sure we have them for the end of the podcast. We've had a repetitive one so far in the chat. It's about bringing up Cespedes. Way too early for that, right? Yeah, Cespedes is way too early. Um, we did just see a promotion for Yolbert Sanchez. Uh, he is now uh, at AAA, so, and it, he's a, a utility guy. If anything, Yolbert right now, he might replace a Danny Mendick. He might replace even a Leary. I doubt that they're going to go to Leary or take Leary off the roster, but Yolbert is in more of a position to come up for the Sox. Uh, Cespedes has uh, I think done okay for yeah. himself. He's 281, 312, 509 down there in Birmingham in the Southern League. So double A. He's doing pretty well in his first month of uh, professional baseball stateside. Yes. And, I, I, you know, the thing with Yoki, too, is uh, what is what are those K numbers at? Uh, two walks to 15 strikeouts. Like, I, I don't know if he's growing, but he is hitting the hell out of the ball. And that's a fairly uh, good level for him to test his skills uh, right now the age differential for him uh, versus the people that he's going up against is minus 0.3 so he's around people who are very similarly aged right now and he's taking advantage so that's good to see maybe he'll be able to uh, you know be promoted up to AAA and we'll see how Cespedes will do but he definitely has that other step to take he needs to go to AAA and we'll see how he produces there but so far so good and it was my hope that he just murders double-a has a full year of killing double-a so he has that confidence before he comes to the majors and the white Sox like to have guys promoted that are going to stay at the level i can feel like if you go too early with cespedes you're going to have troubles of him going up and down to uh, major leagues to triple-a or double-a so i want him to be a finished product when he's ready up to come up to the major league so right now only a month into his professional career in the minors let them do a whole year. And let's jump into the mailbag question that started all of this. It's from our guy Sam in the Discord. You can become a member and join the CHGO Lounge. And we got this question from the CHGO Lounge. Our guy Sam, and he said, mailbag question, given Eloy Jimenez is now on the IL for six to eight weeks, who is the best internal option to play left field moving forward in the majors or minors? So we can probably rule out Cespedes, I think, uh, fairly easily. I, I would, yeah. I think the if you're going to call anybody up from the minors, it would probably be Adolfo, but Adolfo is out of options. And like Fred says, now we see why no one claimed Adolfo. Adolfo is struggling mightily right now in Charlotte. So I don't know if there is a minor league option, which means, oh, let's look at the roster, Herb. That means Leary Garcia can fill in. Nope. That means that Josh Harrison can fill in. Nope. That means that Gavin Sheets can fill in. Nope. And that means that, I guess, Adam Ingle slash AJ Pollock or Andrew Vaughn can fill in. There it is. Great. The last thing you said is Andrew Vaughn. Yay. He has to play. He, I want him in the lineup no matter what. So out of those options that you just heard, I think the best is Andrew Vaughn. You're going to have, and I see Mike uh, with a uh, thing about Pollock being in left. This is the thing. You're expecting Aloy to eventually come back. Right. So have Pollock get used to right field. Exactly. That's what I want. You're out there. You're the right fielder. We signed you as, or we traded for you as such. Stay in right field. You're good. We're going to have these other guys in a left field. So Andrew Vaughn has to play. And if he has to play, and it has to be in the field where Jose Abreu is already occupying first, 
Put him in left field. I'll grin and bear it because his bat will be so good. <laughs> and hopefully, like Sean alluded to earlier, he doesn't get hurt right. this year. Well, So that hurts his back, and it hurts his bat, and it hurts the White Sox. This has been my whole issue this entire season with everyone saying that he needs to play every day, that he needs all of this time and all of this opportunity because he won't develop or something like that with the bat. If Andrew Blonde plays 125 games this year, he will still be productive. This kid will hit. This kid skipped double A and triple A, and he's hitting right now in the major leagues. If you go look on fan graphs and you sort for 2022 by weighted runs created plus and make the minimum plate appearances 40, it's not that big of a dip. I think you have to be qualified for like 50, so he's about 10 off. You will find that Andrew Vaughn right now, not against lefties, not against righties, but against all pitching, is the 25th most productive hitter, I think 23rd actually, most productive hitter in the major leagues right now. Make this man your DH and let him rip because he's going to be filling out Jose Abreu's spot when he leaves either you know via retirement, free agency, or whatever. But Jose Abreu is not going to be on this team for as long as Andrew Vaughn. Andrew Vaughn is the future at first base. This guy should not be playing in the outfield, right field or left field. He should be avoiding the outfield at all costs because all he's going to do is get himself injured and possibly hurt his chance to help this Sox team in the long run. Andrew Vaughn is a professional hitter. He is showing you that right now. You guys are right that he should be up in the lineup. The fact that Leary Garcia is batting third, the fact that he's batting second, managerial malpractice right there. Andrew Vaughn should be top six, top three. I don't care, but he is one of the best hitters for the Sox right now. He is the only one producing for the Sox. And it concerns me putting him out in left field or right field because A, he doesn't know how to field the position properly, and B, he's going to hurt himself. And right now we're seeing that he isn't adjusted to left field. You look at the stats from last year, Outs above average, stat cast uh, fielding metrics, which is the most trusted in baseball right now. Negative three outs above average in 2021 in left field for 153 attempts. Herb, he's had 12 attempts this year. Do you want to know what his outs above average is in left field? Negative one. Negative four. He's already worse than he was last year. We do not need to do this. Depth is not because a guy has a glove. That's not true MLB depth. Brian Goodwin was depth. Billy Hamilton was depth. Andrew Vaughn is not outfield depth. He is your best hitter, and that's where he needs to be used right now for the Sox. I like a little is, fired he, up Sean. Well, can that's we show nice. this right the right-handed stats for for baseball reference? These are this is 2022, not that one. I'm so sorry. Can we sh- can we see the big screen of uh like it's it's uh, it was one of the ones with the full screens with the screenshot oh, uh, production showing. on the air. Okay, I I'm, like I, it. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's all let me, good. Let me go. Do your thing. I, I, no, well, I I want to make sure I have the the stats. Um, it was it was showing uh I like fired up against, Sean. Uh, their OPS plus against. I'm trying to open Slack right now. It's in Slack. Anyways. He's the best damn hitter against right-handers right now. The only guy that's hitting against the White Sox, uh, maybe it's in Notion. I'm so sorry about this, Steven. We're having a live production meeting on the air, and I'm half pissed off trying to, like, be pissed off about this. I don't think you dropped it in there, Sean. All right. Well, great. It's all good. (laughs) I I understand what you're saying. And, yes, if we could have that, that would be ideal. Wi-Fi right now. But then that would make other people who I don't want to play – to play left fields like it. Lurie Garcia and other people, people bringing up the Justin Upton. No, never. Well, ever. that's the thing. No, Justin, no, so no, no. Let's go back no, to what Adam said. No. Adam said two players that he wanted watching the White Sox in the postseason, two players that he wanted. 
Both were left-handed fucking hitters. They were Michael Brantley, and I'm forgetting on the, the other guy that he wanted. Uh, Eddie, Rosario. Eddie Rosario. Eddie Rosario and Michael Brantley were the two guys that he wanted watching the postseason. Both available in the last two off-seasons. Yes, and both are left-handed hitters. And what do the White Sox give you? They give you another right-handed hitter. And yes, A.J. Pollock hits right-handed pitching well. But also, again, the biggest red flag of him is injuries. What if A.J. Pollock goes down? And then you have Gavin Sheets and Andrew Vaughn in the outfield, two guys that don't know how to play. And here's the White Sox sending Jose Abreu home when they have Trevor Larnick in left field, the Twins. You know what Trevor Larnick grew up playing? The outfield. He's an outfielder. The reason that he can make an outfielder's throw is because he's an outfielder. Teams will run on you sending Jose Abreu from second base if Andrew Vaughn or Gavin Sheets is in left or right field because they don't understand the position. But they can hit. And the White Sox are misusing Andrew Vaughn right now. He should be your DH for the Chicago White Sox. He's your best hitter right now against right-handed pitching. And he's your best hitter right now against left-handed pitching. 33 plate appearances against right-handed pitching this year. He leads the team in OPS plus for any hitter. 139. He's 39% above average against right-handed pitching this year. Why aren't we using him? I, I get pissed every time I don't see him in the lineup. Every single time. That is a guy you say, where is he playing? In the lineup is where he's playing. So, yes, if he's at DH, fine with me. I don't give a fuck. But I know them. They're going to put him in left field for a majority of the time he's going to get these bats because it's easy. It's a plug and play. That's where he played last year. He looked decent enough last year, but the stats say otherwise that he's just doing a thing where letting balls fall in, he's just catching the balls that are in the air, and otherwise letting Luis Robert do his thing. But, yes, Andrew Vaughn has to be in the White Sox lineup. When you don't see him in the lineup, he better be getting a day of rest, not of, hey, we got to get XYZ player in. No, don't do that. And, yes, I want to address this before we keep go on ahead. going. Yeah, go ahead. People keep on saying, oh, you think managers matter now, Herb? Oh, you saw that guy on Twitter? Oh, my God. <laughs> I got it. You guys didn't listen to the thing. I said managers don't matter that much in wins and losses. But once presented with new information, one is allowed to change his mind. This mf'er Tony LaRussa, batting Lurie Garcia third in the goddamn lineup twice, two games in a row. And then he's like, F that. He's going up to second the next game. That's manager malpractice. That is how you lose a team. That is how you lose games. And then we saw what he did yesterday. If I, as I said yesterday, a regular dude, regular MF, never played baseball past sophomore year of high school. You made it that far. Knows that you have a base open for Byron Buxton, and that's a no-brainer, and you don't do it, and then you come up with the dumbass excuse after the game, then yes, managers, that manager, in particular that son bitch right there, matters in wins and losses, and he's costing, costing the White Sox games. And let me... Because he's so terrible, and he's so... My Hall of Fame resume's up there. I have an office. They have a locker. Garbage. Be better at your job. And another thing I think Hogue was getting to, when he did get his job, it usurped Rick Hahn. Now, a regular manager doing all the stuff that Tony Russo just did would have been fired after that series. Immediately. Immediately. Because they have a championship team. And they can't have people messing them up. I don't care if it's April. These games matter too. Messing them up for multiple games. 
and he would have been fired. But Rick Hahn can't fire Tony La Russa, and Jerry Reinsdorf will not fire him again. So he's just there forever until he wants to leave. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem. When you have that much power and know that you can't get fired, you do wild shit like that. Like not walking Brian Buxton and talking about Luis Arise like he's goddamn, uh, I don't know, Tony Gwynn. Right. No, that, I mean, that's literally how he's talked about. All right. I don't want to get into the bullpen just yet because you're, you're 100% right. I want to continue on this managers not mattering real quick. Our guy Jimbo says, and your, your game buddy, Jimbo. I, that's my man. Says managers should not matter that much bearing with wins and losses unless they are actively making decisions that are against conventional baseball wisdom. Yes. Thank I you, Jimbo. agree, and I look back to the Yankees series last year that had me screaming in my car. The fact that he's throwing out Liam Hendricks in these odd situations on Friday, the same play, the, the same, it was the series at the Yankees. Uh, there's the Friday game. Uh, I think Evan Marshall let up a ton of hits and then he throws Liam Hendricks in the situation in ninth, in a ninth inning that's already going on. Then, then two days later, he does the same exact thing. Bases are loaded. He brings in Hendricks. Hendricks walks Aaron Judge on five pitches, right? I, I, I don't understand his thinking sometimes. And it is Truly, truly frustrating. And the one thing that we've always come back to, where managers matters, it's not really in, in wins and losses. I agree with you. Because if, if Liam Hendricks is pitching and his, Liam Hendricks has a breaking ball, I don't know if that happens. Uh, I don't know if he, he, he doesn't give up that you, home run to, to, to Byron Buxton. Your players can make your dumbass decisions right. better. Yeah. A.K.A. Joe Madden in the 2000, what? 2016 World Series. Yes. So, I mean, like, the, the decision to pull Hendricks to go to Leicester is what you're talking about, yes. right? Yeah. So, I mean, like, and... You, here, here comes David Ross, of all fucking people, to hit a home run to bail out Joe Madden. Like, you don't know what baseball is going to give you. But here's where we, we said it mattered, in the clubhouse. And this is from James Fegan after the game. Your memories of the White Sox disastrous 0-6 road trip through the AL Central might vary. But for beat reporters who follow the team, it'll be hard to shake the image of players sitting in silence at their lockers well after the final pitch of another dispiriting loss at Target Field. On Friday, it was Tim Anderson and Kendall Graveman dutifully waiting to face the music after Anderson's eighth inning defensive misplays and a particular irksome 0-2 hanging slider by Graveman to the number nine hitter. On Saturday, it was a distraught and injured Aloy Jimenez sitting at his locker surrounded and comforted by equally bleary-eyed teammates trying to make sense of another setback for such a joyful player. On Sunday, we saw many players who had yet stripped off a stitch of their uniform after a 6-4 10th inning walk-off loss to the Twins that featured Two separate late-game leads erased by Byron Buxton, home runs off trusted relievers Aaron Bummer and Liam Hendricks. This clubhouse that Tony's supposed to be managing is now silenced, at shocked. This is where they need Tony to step up, to rally the guys, to be like, you're not this bad. This is just bad luck that you're running into. Because for some things, it is bad luck. I would say that Sunday was bad decisions. You could look at the first doubleheader against Cleveland. That is bad managing. Tony even told you he didn't have them ready for the game. You look at the games in between, I don't know if it's bad managing. I think it's just probably poor play, bad luck. You get a mix of those. Them against Tristan McKenzie, the, 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 uh, the second game of that doubleheader, they should have eaten them. That's poor player performance right there. I just think that a lot of bad stuff is happening right now for the Sox, and it's all of our biggest worries. Do managers matter? No. But right now, he does matter. Because if the White Sox don't show up against Daniel Lynch on uh, tomorrow, then the White Sox have true problems. That is a guy that you should be able to put away all the losses. You should be able to look at the record against him. You should be able to look at yourself against left-handed pitchers and even just look at how you hit Chris Archer yesterday. You should be going into this mindset that this is an aberration. We're going to go knock the hell out of the Royals. And if they do that on Tuesday, a lot of my worries will be calmed. Yeah, I I agree. And 
I know a lot of people say it's April and it's early. We have a plenty of time to get the job and write the ship. But I find this, I don't know when you're a kid, uh, Sean, the teacher would assign homework on a Friday Ugh. and you would have to do it over the weekend. I would wait until like Sunday night and then Monday. So all of Sunday I'll be just dreading. I still have something to do. <coughs> Excuse me. I still have something to do. And now I ha- I can't I mean I can't have fun on Sunday cuz I'm thinking about this thing I got to put my all my focus to all my attention to. While the smart people did their work early. Yeah, they sacrificed their Friday afternoon or Friday evening, but you know what? They finished it. They got the job done early so they don't have to work late. This is what's happening with the White Sox. They're waiting. Waiting until that Sunday night so they can win all these games. High-pressure games. Late in the season. You can do all that stuff by winning games now. So you don't have to worry about August and September and early October games to make you go to the playoffs. I just feel, feel so frustrated. The lack of urgency by this team. And you hear it throughout the clubhouse, and maybe that's to make themselves feel better. It's early. Plenty of time. Marathon, not a sprint. Maybe you said that last year. <laughs> and, yes, you did win the division. But do you want last year's results? Right. How about having a little urgency to think, we need to win this game today. Today's game, we need to win today. And, yes, we have a long season, but, God damn it, let's win today so we don't have to worry about a September game versus the Guardians where our lives are on the lines. Well, and damn Alex, right, Falcons. Alex is saying, damn, Herb, you're a better student than I was making the Falcons proud. Uh, you you Champions. are a better student than I was. I would wait until the period before to wow. do my homework. Uh, you know, So that's why they gave you uh, eight periods, right, was to do the period, uh, the homework before uh, the other period. Uh, yeah, I would always uh, rush and do my homework. It so just, you're a good like, student. You do your work early. You don't have to do it late. They all count the same. Yes. So... I would just have the White Sox, and that's part of Tony's calling. Hey, guys, don't wait. These are division games we're losing, too. And you're giving people confidence. We talked about in the offseason that confidence is the most important thing in baseball and sports in general in life. You're giving the Tigers confidence. Hey, they're still there. Oh, man, we beat them on that opening day. They're not mm-hmm. that tough. Guardians, like, man, swept those bitches. They ain't nothing. We're coming to get them. Twins feeling good about. <coughs> Excuse me, sorry. Feeling up good about how emotional you are here. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a real tough emotional day for Herb Lawrence. All the yelling he was I'm doing so yesterday. I'm so over this losses. I'm kidding. Um, yeah, that cough just came on. That's weird. Um, I was a little. I like the it's live like, people know. Yeah, you know, can see me like coughing, but the people who listen tomorrow, it's gonna be weird. Damn, Herb's dying. Like Herb is. God, he's got that. COVID. Herb is sick. He's got that COVID. I don't have that COVID. Not yet. Eventually, I will. Um, but. Okay. Yeah, I mean everybody gets it. Um, but knock on wood. Yeah, exactly. Knock on wood. I will, and hopefully I don't die. But yes, I think that the White Sox need to have some urgency about their game tomorrow when you're going against Daniel Lynch. Crush him, right? As Lucas Giolito spoke about, and Tim Anderson spoke about after they lost to the Oakland A's a couple years ago, they need to be more stepping on throats. Mm-hmm. They need to understand that. The Royals are not their equal. They're not close to them. Same thing with the Guardians, same thing with the Twins, same thing with the Tigers. And understand that, damn it, let's crush their spirits right now. So they don't feel like when it's an August game, oh, we can come and get the White Sox. We did it in April. So it's garbage. I just, ugh, I'm just so pissed. 
at the White Sox and whole organization. We can't call up Mercedes. He's hurt. Yeah. Sorry, Jim. Well, you want me to brighten up your spirits? No. You want me to introduce you to a game changer like Strava CBD Coffee? That is what I want. Because yes. it's helped thousands of people to improve their overall wellness and quality of life. Strava delivers delicious, fresh-rested specialty coffee infused with organic, broad-spectrum CBD. CBD from hemp doesn't make you high or hungry, but it does offer real benefits that can help you. It can help you feel alert and focused without the jitters. It can help you live your day more balanced with less anxiety and fewer aches and pains. Plus, inducing CBD into your daily routine can even help you enjoy a more restful sleep so you wake up feeling your best. The best part, Strava, is all about quality. Everything is small batch and fresh and shipped straight to your door. Strava also offers concentrated full-spectrum CBD tinctures for those looking for a more traditional CBD format with a powerful entourage effects of benefits. CHGO listeners can save 25%, that is 25%, off their entire purchase when you use code CHGO25. That's 25% off your entire order at StravaCraftCoffee.com. When use code CHGO25 at checkout. Discount coupon valid on non-subscription purchases only. One use per customer. Already love Strava? Subscribe and save with the Strava Coffee Club. With Strava, you're in control. Save on your favorite coffees and have them automatically delivered to your home or office on your preferred schedule. I like the maximum strength 20 CBD milligrams that's non-decaffeinated. I like to drink that before I go to bed. The warmthness really warms up my body for a nice relaxing sleep, and that CBD really does help me get a nice restful sleep. So again, if you are a new customer, go to StravaCraftCoffee.com and use code CHGO25 to get 25% off your entire purchase. And I want to talk to you too about CHGO. I got the stickers on my laptop. I got the shirt on. CHGO is this brand new fun thing that we have started. (laughs) It's a sports venture where we are covering all of your favorite teams for your city. We are trying to let you know that we are just like you. We are frustrated, angry White Sox fans that want to represent you, the fan. We want to entertain you. We want to inform you on what's going on. And we want to be there too. After a tough Byron Buxton walk-off that's 469 feet, we want to be there for you to vent. We got free podcasts. We got free pregame, postgame shows. All of that's free on our YouTube channel and podcast services everywhere. But if you do want to support CHGO, go to allchgo.com. You can get premium written content there from our great beat writers like Vinny Duber, uh, Ryan Herrera, Jared Willis, that guy, Adam Hogg, who was here, who was currently on. I call him Adam Hogg again. Adam Hogue. He's a great Bears writer. His stuff gets published on allchgo.com. All of our written article are behind a paywall. So if you want to become a member and get that written articles uh, and those premium written content, sign up to become a member at allchgo.com. When you do, you get a free shirt of your uh, choice. So you can pick the CHGO pocket tee that I have. You can pick Adam's bear shirt. We have the White Sox logo on a t-shirt and people love that. And all of these are true to size. They fit very, very comfortably. You'll want the shirt. The shirt is fantastic. And two, we did get the question, the mailbag question earlier from Sam in the CHGO lounge. When you become a member, you also get access to our CHGO lounge. It's a members only discord. So become a member at allchgo.com. Get premium access to our written content. Get a free shirt when you become a member and get access to our member-only discount so you can talk to the CHGO crew whenever you want about whatever you want. All right, Herb. And speaking of before, let's get to our Discord real quick. Daniel Lafferty says, so do you guys think that they're just overrated or is this a slump? It's a slump. I mean, let's not overreact here. I mean, let's let's talk about some issues that are going on with the Sox. I think that's a a great question because not all of this is Tony La Russa-based. This is roster construction, and this is bad luck. This is guys that I think are a little bit just cold as well. Um, You can look at the batted ball data. The White Sox are hitting the ever-loving hell out of the ball. 
I think one thing that's hurting the White Sox is the fact that MLB has deadened the ball. The White Sox should have more home runs than they currently do. If the White Sox had more home runs and they were using a different ball, we might be a lot more relaxed. Like we just had some Strava CBD coffee. Um, But let's look at these stats for right-handed pitching because that's that's an issue that, stemming back to the 2020 series against the Oakland A's, that was an issue. They didn't have good hitting against right-handed pitching. This is the Sox versus right-handed pitching since 2021. They have had the third most played appearances at over 660,000. Average 251, which is seventh in the MLB versus right-handed pitching. Their OBP is 11th, which is 325. Their slugging percentage, 414, uh, which is which 13th since 2020. So you can just see right there against right-handed pitching. It's getting worse and worse and worse. Their, ball, their batting average in balls and plays at around 303, which is the third rank in the MLB. But right now, that's around 250. So that's why the White Sox aren't sustaining success against right-handed pitching right now. Yasmani Grandal is doing horrible against right-handed pitching. Usually he's one of their best. And then you can see their uh, weighted runs created plus 104, which is 10th. So they are above average, according to the MLB, uh, against right-handed pitching and home runs 216th. Uh, they are 10th since 2020. But you look at the 2022 stats, they are not up to par right there. Luis Robert is struggling mightily against right-handed pitching. Uh, Tim Anderson struggling mightily against right-handed pitching. Abreu, Vaughn and Sheets are really the only ones that have shown up against right-handed pitching so far. And Brennan brings up a great point. Not having Mancata hurts this entire lineup. I believe not the entire lineup, but having him in the lineup makes it more whole. And another switch hitter, but hitting mostly from the left side, would make this lineup a little better. And we're not getting Yasmani yet. We don't get the walks. Yesterday with the Rocket hit to put the White Sox in lead at the 10th, but those other bats were tough. Real tough. This season has been not Yasmani-like. So, yeah, we need better luck versus right-handers. A better approach. Something different. You know, if it's not working out for years now, why keep on doing the same thing? Well, and Like, just have a different mindset. And Frank Manichino, who likes to say fuck the home run, you're getting your wish. We're (laughs) not hitting home runs, jerk. (laughs) See what you caused? Well, and who's hitting the home runs? Tim Anderson and Danny fucking Mendick? Like, What's happening here? Uh, but, like, too, with T.A., I mean, like, that's a big thing with T.A. and Robert is their balls in play, uh, their batting average and balls in play, uh, that great stat, Babbitt, right there. I mean, Roberts and Tim Anderson against right-handed pitching, they're struggling. So once that goes up, then the White Sox sh- should go up. So I think it is just, you know, bad timing, slow starts, bad luck. I think it's everything at once for the Sox hitting. Uh, but it's also roster construction. There's a reason why I was here pounding the table for Kyle Schwarber. His numbers are also affected too because the damn ball's dead in. Uh, that guy's not hitting home runs. Uh, but And he's also blowing up at Angel Hernandez. But, beautiful. Uh, beautiful that, thing. That was a master class. But I, that's the issue is, you know, you were trying to f- fix hitting versus right-handed pitching. Your solution was A.J. Pollock. He's out in the second game. Doesn't play for 10, weeks, 10 days. And he's a right-hander. I mean, like, this is just not the solution that you need in baseball. And then let's talk about the uh, bullpen here because this is another issue. We talk about Kendall Graveman. We talk about Aaron Bummer. We talk about Liam Hendricks. Let's look at the Sox 2022 bullpen. Great picture. Look at the picture from Steven. Guess Uh which home run that was after. Uh, I'm going to guess that's from the Byron Buxton home run yesterday. That is correct. Wow, look at me. Right now, the Sox have the 18th worst ERA, uh, bullpen ERA, in the major leagues, 3.74. We're supposed to be the best, though, right? Yes, sir. And their war wins above replacement, 0.3. That's 20th in the major leagues. They were second last year, only behind the Tampa Bay Rays. Their walks allowed 30. Third, uh, which is the fifth 
fifth most in the major leagues. Home runs allowed, that's only 16th. But hey, let's take out the two from Buxton yesterday. That's third, only down to 25. So the White Sox haven't been getting up a lot of power. Uh, outside swing percentage, though, these are the last two I want to focus on. Uh, fastball value and out of the swing, per, uh, out of the zone swing percentage. So this is how are the Sox getting people to chase? Are they getting people to chase outside of the zone? Are their breaking balls wor- uh, working? You look at the Sox makeup of their pitchers. Graveman, Hendricks, Bummer. Fastball dominant and breaking stuff. Graveman has had troubles with his slider. Ryan Jeffers in, in, in Friday's game showed you right there. He hit the double uh, that he just hung. You see Bummer not being able to locate his slider to Byron Buxton yesterday twice, leading to him to throw a slider, uh, a sinker on the outside of the plate. Buxton crushed. knew it was coming, crushed. And then Liam Hendricks, let's go to the Tony quote from yesterday, the, the all-important Tony quote about not pitching to Luis Arise. Yeah, there's an option. Pitch to him, tough. But the guy on deck, Arise, is hitting 300 and feast on fastballs. So does Byron fucking Buxton. I'm, he has a slugging I, when percentage. When I read that, I was like, what the hell? Like, Buxton's some crumb bum. Buxton has a slugging percentage of 1,000 on fastballs. What is your scouting report? You give a pitcher a chance to make a pitch. Hendricks tried to bounce a curveball. There it is. Outside of the zone, swing. Is he going to swing at that curveball? The White Sox have not been doing that this year. Outside of the zone swing percentage, 29th in the league. That is second worst. They are not getting those swings and misses. They are not getting those pitches for players to expand their zone and worry about stuff up in the zone, high heat up in the zone. When Buxton can eliminate the curveball, all he needs to look for is Hendricks up in the zone throwing a fastball. There were two pitches that hit the strike zone yesterday. One was a, foul, a fastball at the chest that he fouled off. The second one went 469 feet. And you know what Lucas Giolito did? We said he lost the slider early in, this, in the outing. Mm-hmm. Didn't throw a lot. Same thing with the curveball. But you know what Byron Buxton knew? He has his fastball and he has his changeup. Right. And that's what Byron Buxton is like. I don't know what's coming. That's why he struck out three times, because Lucas Giolito played him like a fiddle. He understood what Byron Buxton was doing, and Byron Buxton didn't know what was coming. That's why he struck out three times. And that quote you saw, Tony's like, well, we can get him to strike out the three times, like Lucas did. Is Lucas on the goddamn mound? (laughs) No. You see a man with only a fastball on the mound, and you see Byron Buxton licking his chops, knowing He's going to throw a fastball. That's the only thing. And a 3-1 count fastball with a 3. Besides not walking him to load the bases because it's Byron Buxton, it was Yasmani Grandal, whoever's calling the pitches, Jerry Naren or Ethan Katz, and Liam Hendricks' brilliant idea to throw a guy with over 1,000 slugging of fastball middle-middle. And he absolutely torched that ball. Torched. That like, how do we know this? How do we know this? And they don't. It's either like I've said before. He's just arrogant and doesn't listen and doesn't believe in what he sees. Well, it's just so annoying. Like we see these things. It's process over results. Even if he would have popped that ball up, I would have said that's a terrible pitch. That's a horrible to pitch to him. Even though they got the pop out. It's a terrible thing to do to go and think that Byron Buxton is some crumb bum while Luis Arise is out here like damn Tony Gwynn. It's just so annoying. You have want this to happen. I I want the White Sox to win, but I don't want them to win because of Tony La Russa. You have a lead. 
You have a one-run lead. They haven't scored that winning run. Yes, guys are on second and third. And this is Byron Buxton, who has the highest slugging percentage since 2021. 688 out of players with 250 plate appearances. He is going to hurt you more with runners on second and third, swinging the bat, than Luis Arise ever can. Ever. Ever. The possibilities are endless with Byron Buxton. But in a high percentage, maybe 68% of the time, or whatever the fucking math turns out for slugging percentage, he's going to get a, a, a hit or at least something that's extra bases. I don't know. But it, the, the struggles aren't on Tony. It's it's also on the players uh, so far as well. Because the guys just, they're, they're currently rusty. They're still shaking off rust. Hendricks has been trying to shake off rust. He was the first player in Sox camp, and he still hasn't found his breaking ball yet. And we talked about it yesterday. If it's not about... Tony, then it's fundamentals. Tim has like six errors. Yeah. But the pitchers have like five errors. And then yesterday the or two days ago, you have a mental breakdown for Gavin Sheets, um, natural first baseman, playing right field. Byron Buxton hits the ball pretty much right to him in right field on the ground. That man throws the ball to first base. Byron Buxton's like, that's dumb. I'm going to second. Like, these things, like, do we teach fundamentals? The White Sox were doing infield practice the other day, which they usually don't do, and Major League teams usually don't do, but they were doing it in the middle, like, at the beginning of the season because they know their shit. Do we not do this? Like, we had three weeks. That's no, like, you had the same three weeks that every other team had. What did you do that other teams did do, apparently? You just, like, lollygagged, just had them throw balls around, not do any fundamental things. It's three weeks. The same three weeks everybody else had. But this team looks both fundamentally poor. Execution has been bad. That's why we're mad. If they're losing games just because those teams are better than them, you got to just say, hey, man, just get better. They're losing games because they're causing the losses. Yeah. The White Sox are causing their own losses. And, and that's the frustrating part. Jim saying rusty after one month, really. I mean, this is a short spring training, Jim. Have any sense of what is going on in major leagues? You could say rusty for all 30 teams. It's not an excuse. It can just be facts. And you know what Tony Larusa needs to realize is that that guy's rusty and he shouldn't be throwing fastballs only to the best hitter in the major leagues. It's fine that Liam Hendricks is rusty. He's been able to shake off rust before. He's the reigning two-time AL reliever of the year. Please don't be stupid. Yes, some people Uh-oh. can be rusty. Uh-oh. It, I, I, I don't know. I'm, Uh-oh. I, I don't know. Sean's getting mad. You got, it's, it's you frustrating. Got, you got mad Sean it's over here. It's frustrating. Uh, Rex Smith, can we consider bringing in another outside trainer as well? Rework the staff instead of promoting within for our strength and conditioning. Well, Too many injuries back-to-back years. They did. They, they fired Alan Thomas, the longtime strength and conditioning coach, and Rick Hahn said... We will reimagine the position they did, and same shit's happening. So whatever they're doing in the organization from top to bottom, something's wrong there. Maybe not the individual person, but they keep on getting hurt. So it's it's not necessarily the person who has a strict conditioning job title, but it's whatever the White Sox do. Don't even trip, no. Rex. You're all good. Rex, you're fine. And, and two, I want to clarify because honestly, your your promote's fine. Your your uh, point is fine because it's still uh, they did rework the staff, but it, you're still saying promoting from within, which is what they did. Their current head uh, head trainer is uh, James Cruck, who's been with the team for I think 
four years at this point. No, he joined the organization in 2008. And then the guy who is currently, I think, the head strength and conditioning uh, director, Goldie Simmons, he's a former player for the Sox. He was an athlete for the Sox since uh, 2009 to 2011. They do that a lot. Uh, and then he worked his way up, joining the team in 2015. So They do the, that a lot. Look look at all around yeah. the team. Like so that's, Rick that's Hahn, a fine that's a fine criticism. Yeah. They did already fire Alec Thomas, uh, but, you know, that's look a fine criticism. Look at all the criticism. people, like Katie Williams, former player who worked his way up. Rick Hahn, who was an assistant general manager, worked his way up. Chris Getz, the director of the minor leagues, was a former player who worked his way up. You see a pattern now that the, they hire the same people from within, and that's kind of endearing, and the loyalty's nice, but also the results are shit. And that's a question from Alex. Uh, no, Alex uh, Patanos, I think it is. Uh, did the players get to work with the team's trainers over the offseason with lockout? They could not. No, they could be in contact with them if they had an injury or if they had questions, but they could. I don't think they were able to actually like you know have a plan for them or a workout regimen or anything like that. Uh, so those uh, that's going to do it, I think, for the CHGO White Sox. Already? Uh, therapy session. Uh, let's just real quick talk about the pitching matchups that we'll see against the Royals because the White Sox do need to get off the schneid. Tuesday, we'll see Daniel Lynch for the Royals versus Dallas. Keuchel, Lynch is a lefty, Keuchel is a lefty. Wednesday, we'll see Granke versus Cease, uh, and then we'll see Thursday, Brad Keller versus Michael Kopech. How are you feeling? I'm feeling great. I'm feeling great because of the middle guy and the last guy. The first guy, oof, Dallas Keuchel, while he did, I don't think he pitched as poorly as the eight earned runs said that he did versus the Guardians. He was pitching to contact the White Sox, Tim Anderson, and uh, Jake Berger did not help him out. Now, Hopefully they had a come-to-Jesus moment. Dallas kind of called them out in, in public. If that's what they needed, cool. Daniel Lynch will get rocked tomorrow. He's a lefty. Now can Dallas Keiko keep him down? Because we've been using the bullpen a lot. Give me six tomorrow. Give me six strong innings. You give up four earned, I'm good for that, Dallas. Dude, I'm I don't, real good because we should score much more than that. Can I just be honest with you? Yeah. I don't care if they use the bullpen. Use the entire bullpen. Do you know what we need to win? We just do you know what we need. We need to win. I don't care. You just had a day off. People should be rested. Liam Hendricks didn't pitch for a whole damn week. If he pitched two innings and is too tired after a day off, I don't care. We need a win. But his back's hurt. But his back's hurt. That's a fine. <laughs> if, if, but if he's being held out for injury, I'll understand that. I'm not ridiculous. And Dragon Z <laughs> Gaming, Um, I found it interesting that when Vince Velasquez pitched, also was the day that Johnny Cueto pitched in AAA. So it looks like they're lining up, and it would make the most sense for Johnny Cueto to replace Vince Velasquez because he's struggling. He doesn't really have a lot of money you can eat. It's like a $3 million contract. They've done that before. Johnny Cueto has a minor league contract, so it's not that big. You cannot. They probably will not do it for Keiko because he has a lot of money running, riding on his contract. And what's like $18 million? That's a lot it's even though it's a sunk cost it's much more than the three million that Vince Velasquez and I think you can get something out of Dallas Keuchel this year you can get the innings you need at least not maybe a great performance out of the full year but you can get the innings which are valuable on a team that usually hits my guy Mike saying next seven are at home then a quick two on the north side what do we think our record looks after the nine games it better be one and oh after the first one I'll five tell you and that. four um five and four so what do you think they got three against the Royals uh four, four against, against the, the Angels, Angels. And then two against the Cubbies. Yeah, I'm going to two of those. Well, I'm going to one of those Angels games because I got to see greatness when it comes to my town. Otani and Trout both there. And my guy, uh, uh, Rendon, at third. Mercy. I'll tell you what. Is he injured? Probably is, but um, (laughs) I mean, he's oft injured. But I could see them splitting that series with them, winning the two or three versus the 
Royals before that, and then only winning one versus the Cubs. Five and four, not sexy, not great. It's fine. Better White than Sox 0 and seven. With White Sox fans, let me tell you something. Guess who you're not going to see in that four-game series against the Angels? Shohei Otani on the mound. Oh, yes. I heard maybe Monday, though. Uh, right is he now, pitch, is right, he pitching on Thursday? Right now, it's loaded up to be uh, Friday's going to be Syndergaard. Saturday's going to be Suarez. Sunday's going to be Lorenzen. Monday's going to be Sandoval. So mm. right now, they don't have Otani. So if you're missing him, you should be able to take three out of four Erica against the, the Angels. Earlier. I think that you should take uh, three out of uh, two out of three against the, the Royals, three out of four against the Angels. You should sweep the Cubs. I, I think that's – I'm not trying to be ridiculous here, but after this bad seven-game streak, you need to get the taste out of your mouth. You're better than these teams. You should not only beat them, but you should be putting yourself in a position to sweep Erica them every start single listening? time. Uh, Erica, okay, Herb, you need to relax, sir. There are 147 games to go. If this continues going into the All-Star break, then your frustrations are valid. Our frustrations are valid. This no. is what's currently happening, and we could be frustrated. We're also telling you that like, like this, this is what's wrong, but a lot's going wrong, and a lot that's happening right now that is going wrong uh, can be fixed are just because children? it is a long season. Are they children? Like, uh, Can I not be mad at people playing poorly at their job? No. That's half of this job. I just dropped my phone. It's half of this job to tell you guys what I feel about what the White Sox are doing. Yes, I know you're saying it's early, and you you need to probably go back and listen to the beginning or the middle part where I said, hey, it doesn't matter if it's early. These games count, Erica. Yeah, It's very frustrating. And Alexander saying this all started with the doubleheader because we have no starting pitching. Well, they just got starting pitching from Lucas Giolito. They just got a fantastic starting pitching performance from Lucas Giolito. But and only four it. innings, though. And that damn blew it. Uh, that's true. So, I mean, but you know what? You got to take what you can get at this point when you're on a six-game losing streak. I mean, they, they had a great start from Lucas Giolito, and they let it go to waste, uh, giving up that and lead Erica, twice. And everybody out here, if the White Sox win seven in a row, you'll be seeing me dancing and shit, right. talking about, man, oh. these White Sox are the best. Give me a seven-game winning streak. I can't wait. Let me know and what to do with if it. you call in or text in and say, hey, calm down. It's only, there's 135 games left. Like, hey, these games count, and winning seven in a row is a huge deal. It's an absolute huge deal. Do you like the fact that when we were on the score, it was always area code? It was always like, ah, oh, 312, 708, 773. But now we have to be like, Erica. Erica, like you're a problem. problem. <laughs> oh, you're not a problem, Erica. I appreciate you tuning in, but I disagree oh, with your premise yeah. there. It's not – I don't – I think the White Sox need to have more urgency. I think the fans need to have more urgency. Saying it's early gives them an out. They're playing badly now. Getting the out in the atmosphere to say, hey, these some bitches need to play better. Maybe. Maybe they listen. Maybe it doesn't work. I don't care. But I'm going to get my frustrations out because they're playing poorly. They're going to need to play better tomorrow. We will have a pregame show yes, for Steve, you. Yes, Steve. They're going to win seven in a row this year. I guarantee that. Ooh, that's Mark it down, Steve. Mark it, Steve. Mark it down. Mark it. This team is too good not to play like this. And that's why. I'm disappointed. I'm a disappointed father that I know that they're better. They're giving me C's, and I know they're A students. Tomorrow, we will be live at 5.30 a, uh, p.m. to, not a.m., hell no, I'm not getting up that early, 5.30 p.m., uh, half an hour or so before the White Sox play the Royals. That is Herb Lawrence, the mad Herb Lawrence. You can follow him on Twitter, at Ecknerwall23. I'm like Sean Anderson. More frustrated, fired up Sean Anderson. <laughs> and I love you, Steve, too. Yeah, we love you guys. At Sean underscore W and underscore Alexander. Anderson uh, is where you could follow me. Again, 5.30 pregame for the Sox against the Royals. Daniel Lynch has started three games against the White Sox. He has allowed 15 earned runs. If they don't win tomorrow, I will scream.
Thank you to Hurt Lawrence. <laughs> thank you to Stephen Nicholas. Thank you to Sean Anderson. Thank and you all for joining us in the chat. And thank you to Adam. Thank you, Mike. Own. Yes, points bet. Let's make a bet that the White Sox will win a seven-game win streak this year and put all the money in the world. We, you can make a bet up on we'll points say, bet. Yeah. That's why points bet's the best because you can see if they're going to allow you to do that. Use so, promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets of $2,000. Exactly. Make it even money, and I'll bet all of my money. We got some points bet connections. We can email them, seeing if they want to give us a, a seven-game win streak wager for the Sox. But that's going to do it for <laughs> the CHGO White Sox podcast. For Herb Lawrence, uh, I'm Sean. Anderson. We'll see Vinny Duber th- soon. Thank you to Adam Hogue for his fantastic, fantastic contribution to our show today. Live your bet life by listening to the 1979 album by Fleetwood Mac Tusk. We will see you tomorrow and go Sox.